This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. I'd like to continue with the great tenor saxophonist, composer, and band leader, Sonny Rollins. The song you're listening to in the background is a Thelonious Monk composition called Bemsha Swing, recorded in 1956, I believe, with uh, Sonny playing tenor saxophone. Sonny spent a lot of time with a lot of these great musicians, uh, practicing with them. It wasn't like he was taking lessons in a formal sense. He would often practice with other musicians. When he was in California, he spent a lot of time with Ornette Coleman before Ornette came to New York and made that big splash in 1959. He spent time with Don Cherry practicing or playing ideas in a kind of an informal setting, but it was a way that back then the musicians exchanged ideas. He spent a lot of time with Monk, and Monk was a great mentor and encourager of, of musicians in the 50s. Um, John Coltrane spent a lot of time with him also. And one of the things that I believe that Thelonious uh, really insisted with his musicians in, in his improvisation was to use the melody when you're improvising, not just the harmonic structure. That's one of the issues with um, the audiences in jazz starting in the 40s and 50s and even today is that improvisations often don't have much to do with the original melody. In other words, they're just they're freely improvised based on this preset harmony, but sometimes they don't reach back to that motive, just like Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Monk, in his playing, often will refer back to an original melody, and often when Monk is accompanying um, soloists, he'll play chunks of the melody just to remind them, say, don't forget this, because this is of primary importance. And that's a lesson that Rollins learned in an early age, and then it kept throughout his career. So let's check out Rollins' solo um, with Thelonious Monk on Bemsha Swing. I've repeated this many times um, talking about Sonny Rollins is his deep affection and respect for the tenor saxophonist Coleman Hawkins. Um, 1938, Coleman Hawkins recorded a landmark recording of Body and Soul. In 1958, Rollins recorded the same piece unaccompanied. Sonny oftentimes would play long, long solos unaccompanied, have the rhythm section just drop out, or in the middle of a concert or one of his nightclub gigs, just play a solo completely unaccompanied. And this is going to lead us to the late 50s when he dispensed with the pianist. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. What I'd like to do is something this would be real interesting right now, is to compare... Coleman Hawkins recording Body and Soul, his sound, his approach to rhythm, um, his harmonic sense. And then let's listen to Sonny's recording from 1958, I believe, an unaccompanied version of Body and Soul. Check this out. Mm-hmm. 
Hear the similarities with both of these wonderfully inventive saxophonists. I believe it was late '63, early '64. Um, Sonny and Coleman Hawkins collaborated on a record, which we'll listen to in one of the um, next shows. 1956, in Sonny's own words, he said he recorded promiscuously, which really means that in 1956 he must have recorded six or seven albums. Some really important ones under his own name, probably the most important, the saxophone Colossus, 1956. But he recorded on many, many records um, for other people who were very famous in that period. So 56 and 57 are very, very important years for um, Sonny's recording career. Also, 1956 was a tragic year. It was in June of that year that Clifford Brown was killed in a car accident that took the lives of the pianist Richie Powell and his wife. At that point, Max Roach was the co-leader of the band. He, Max kept the group together, and they recorded some very nice records in late 56 and 57, but it just wasn't the same without Clifford Brown. And we'll listen to some of those recordings um, later on. But 1956 is a really important year for Sonny, and his most important record that year is Saxophone Colossus. There are three and really important um, tracks from that record that we need to listen to. The best known is a piece called Blue 7. I believe in 1957 or 58, a writer and musician and composer by the name of Gunther Schuller examined this piece and analyzed it and brought to light the fact that Sonny likes to use this thematic compositional technique. Now, Sonny really never thought about consciously improvising that way. He just was a very natural style of playing. He, he would just sit and play, and whatever came out of the horn came out of the horn. But he, again, he was a very deep thinker and really knew his craft. But when someone, when you make a record and then someone analyzes it to this extent, it's a little bit intimidating. And, and I guess, you know, from what I've read about Rollins, is when he read that article, he said, well, it kind of was off-putting, to say the least. But on that record, Blue 7 is, is a very famous track. ¶¶ 
One of the interesting things about Rollins, if you've ever heard him perform live in a club or in a concert hall or any other venue, is that often he will start playing from the back of the stage and just walk across the stage and start his solo. And then he might stop his solo, let someone else play, and then continue his solo later within the same uh, performance of that one particular song, which is not traditionally the way you hear jazz. You usually hear the statement of the melody and then a solo by uh, various members of the group. But Sonny will stop and then maybe continue later on this particular track. He also plays another installment of that solo on Blue 7. But it's a very creative and very interesting improvisation. From that same record, Sonny recorded probably his most famous composition, his best-known composition. I would not say it's probably his best in terms of song construction, but the most famous in terms of recognizability, and that's a Calypso piece called St. Thomas. I believe his grandmother or someone very close to him was from the islands in the Caribbean, and St. Thomas is based on a traditional Calypso folk song that he heard as a child and later wrote it down, and he attached the name St. Thomas to it, but it is kind of a previously existing song. It's a calypso piece, and there weren't many jazz calypso pieces recorded at this time, so let's listen to St. Thomas. same year, 1956, that he recorded Saxophone Colossus, Max Roach and Clifford Brown at Basin Street East, and a whole series of other great records with other band leaders, he also recorded the album called Tenor Madness, which is another wonderful record. As I said before, in Sonny's own words, he said he recorded promiscuously in 1956. It was a very, very important year and very fruitful year for him on record. One of the things I have to say about Sonny on record is that he was, by his own admission, was always uncomfortable in the recording studio. He played best in a live situation. We get to 1957, and he does the Live at the Village Vanguard, which are wonderful recordings. But back to Tenor Madness, which is a very good record. And one of the most interesting things about that record is that he asked his very dear friend John Coltrane, who at that time was playing with uh, Miles Davis's group, to join him on one track of the record, which is a blues, the title cut Tenor Madness. And from what I understand, this was not planned. Often in the 50s at this time, if someone was having a record session at, say, for Blue Note or Riverside or whatever, they would invite um, some of their friends to sit in the control room and listen, just as a friend, and maybe add an extra set of ears. And it wasn't really planned that he was going to record on the record. And I guess they talked, and um, Sonny said, why don't you play on this particular track with me? And it's a wonderful track, because you can compare the two great tenor players at, at a very, very important period in both of their lives. So we're going to close today's session with a great recording from 1956 of Tenor Madness, which features John Coltrane 
and Sonny Rollins, who were very, very good friends at this time. Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta, Georgia.